Welcome to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, a podcast designed to help you increase your influence, develop your leadership, and maximize your results. Hello, everyone. Bri and I are excited to be back with you today to talk about part 11 of 15 on our uh, series on our book, Change Happens, Leading Yourself and Others Through Change. And I uh, really appreciate you joining me, Ria, for this uh, series or me joining you, whichever way you want to look at it. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to do it together, I think. You know, we write the book with different perspectives and we talk about it here with different perspectives. So today, uh, part 11. Chapter 11 is leading change. And I want to open it up today with a, with a quote from Stephen Hawking. He says, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. Mm. <laughs> Which really means all the stuff we're talking about is all about mindset, right? It's how we, we think. I'm going I'm to share a story. You got something you want to mention right quick before? No, share your story. Yeah. Okay. So last time I talked about leveraging change and, and I shared the story about uh, being the first to become a setup person as our plant went to lean manufacturing operations and we transformed that. And then I, I went in and held my hand up and took over uh, one of the new sales that was struggling. So I learned to leverage changes there. And, and I'm going to talk about some more gain that I got out of learning or choosing to leverage those changes. You know, you fast forward, that was in the late 90s. If you go to maybe 2005, by 2005, I had went through several different engineering jobs and, and, in two, and was at a different company. And in 2005, that company had been around almost 100 years. They had never done lean manufacturing at all. So they were doing what my company had done back in the, in the late 90s, except for I didn't, they didn't really teach us how to do it. They did it to us instead of with us. But, but now I was leading the change. I held my hand up again. I was leveraging change also. Uh, at this company, but I was leveraging change in an attempt to lead change. So in 2005, when we started down that lean transformation journey, I held my hand up to the plant manager and said, hey, I'll, I'll do this. So what happened was I got to become the first lean coordinator in that plant. And then later I became the lean man manager. Neither one of those positions had ever existed. There was not a need for them in the past. And so I reported directly to the plant manager in, during those three years, with the plant manager's support, my leadership, and a, and a, a team of 200 people, th those who were engaged, we took that plant from minus 3% uh, gross profit margin to plus 35% gross profit margin. I got mm. to lead the change. And wow. what, what immediately happened, and it always happens, when a company goes either through lean manufacturing transformation or either cultural transformation relative to leadership development, the first thing that happens is there's a is a big divide. People who are supporting it, those who are not supporting it. Basically, you get two camps, the whiners and the shiners, using the words we've been talking about here. And so I forgot all about the, the whiners. I acknowledge them. They were there. But I built relationships and led the change. I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot, read a lot, experiment a lot, because I had never led this type of change and transformation. And the people in the company had never been through it. We were all green. None of us had experience. But I was leading change because of all the times that I had leveraged change before had set me up perfectly to begin leading change. 
Yeah, you know, as you're talking about that, um, and we speak to this a little bit in this section in the book, one of the, um, I mean, we already know this, but the most difficult person for us to lead is ourselves, right? We all know of things we should do that we haven't done or things we shouldn't do that we do. And, and you know, when we talk about leading change, it's really important to remember that the f- first and most important person that we lead is ourselves. And there are three ways that we can influence and lead change within ourselves. So I want to speak to that just a little bit. The first is what we think about. Leading change begins by choosing our thoughts carefully, right? Because we as the leader of first ourselves and then influencing others, if we start to be negative, then the moment we start to feel negative, if we will stop and redirect our thoughts and say, I've got to focus on the positives here, right? Because here's the thing, we are human and we have emotions, right? That's just that's just a fact of being human is we have emotions um, that that are in us. But uh, it's Andy Stanley who reminds us our feelings are terrible leaders, right? Just because we have emotions doesn't mean it serves us best or that it's in our best interest to respond based on those emotions. And particularly when change happens, there can be a lot of this negative emotion swirling about in ourselves and the culture and the organization or at home in our community on social media, boy, negative, negative emotions run wild on social media. I think they breed there. And, you know, we, when we feel that negative influence start to creep in our thoughts, we can intentionally stop and redirect that into a more positive perspective. You talked about mindset. Oprah Winfrey said, what we focus on expands. Mm. What we focus on expands. And so if we're focusing on negatives, they're just going to grow and grow and get bigger and bigger in our headspace. And that's especially true when it comes to times of change. If we're focusing on the negatives, they're just going to magnify until they overwhelm us. And the same is true if we focus on the positives. If we focus on the positives, we'll see more of them because we'll be looking for more. We'll be looking for more positives. And that's that's so powerful. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, this, this last this time, I want to say last year, but it ain't just last year. It's just this time that we've spent in the, the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of people thinking about a lot of negative stuff, you know, the mm-hmm. elections too, where the, you know, in the middle of all of that. So you had all the negativity from elections, you got all the negativity from the pandemic and all the, just all tons and tons of stuff. And, you know, that was a constant battle for me because I wanted to be, uh, you know, I want to be up on current events and I, I still do, but just trying to stay, just trying to keep you, aware of what's going on in the world you you can't do that anymore because the news and the social media is all so negative you i mean you can keep up what i'm saying is you can't keep up (laughs) in a positive space i mean Mm. the the people who are trying to tell you all the stuff that's going on in the world the news people and a lot of people on social media it's wrapped in pure negativity so that was that that was a constant battle for me because i you know i want to be a positive person so you know i finally decided I just had to pull back from a lot of that. And, you know, you and I have those conversations, but I had to, I had to reset in 2021 because I had just had enough of all that negative stuff in my mind. And what we, what we hear and what we allow in there is it does a lot of damage that we don't even understand that it's doing until it's Mm. too late. And I just wanted to prevent that. 
Yeah. And that brings us to the second thing. The second way that you can lead and influence change within yourself is focus on what you're telling yourself. You know, you are the most important person that you are ever going to talk to because you can't run away from the thoughts that you have. You right. You cannot escape the, the things that you tell yourself. You have really no choice but to be influenced by what you tell yourself because it's it's here and you can't turn it out. You can't tune it down. And so when you tell yourself negative things about the situation or, or what's going on, you listen and that's going to affect you emotionally. It's going to affect your feelings and that's going to affect your actions. And then you start to just kind of spiral. Um, and what you what you tell yourself carries so much weight in terms of your mental state, because you can you can embrace change by looking at the situation honestly and evaluating what am I telling myself about this change and you know as I look back over this past year um, it's it's so easy to see you know for me the the big thing this year was not going to the gym um, because that's you know a way to, to exercise and so it's so easy to say well you know man I can't go to the gym right now and so I can focus on that and what I don't have and I can find myself getting bitter about it or I can focus on well well I can still do this I can still go for a walk I can still go for a run I can get outside or hike or what can I do instead and right and we've talked on that before but it's so powerful when we start to look for what we can do and when we tell ourselves what we can do and a lot of times when change happens we'll catch ourselves or maybe we don't that's even worse telling ourselves it was better before right when change happens especially i think this happens at work a lot of times or maybe personally too but when when a big change happens so much of so many of us spend our time saying oh it was so much better before right the good old days back when we didn't have this or we didn't have that and I mean, it's human, it's, it's normal to experience some of that, but, but realizing that our influence depends on us saying, you know what, there might've been some good things about the past and the way it was, but what, let's focus on the now, because we can't get that back, right? That's changed. It's gone. We can't get that back. Yeah. And you're saying some good stuff, Rhea. And we're talking about, again, the title of this book, Change Happens. And then the subtitle, most importantly, is what we covered right here is uh, leading yourself and others through change because we're talking about leading change but what you're talking about Rhea is leading yourself through change first because you got to be able to do that effectively before you can lead others through change as as a leader of others or an influencer of others but the second point you made about you know what you tell yourself relative to leading yourself through change it is powerful because we are always listening I've never had a thought that I didn't hear <laughs> How about you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, so you have to be careful about what, you, what you're thinking about because you're always listening. And I'm going to tell you this. You got to be careful too because when we, whatever we tell ourselves, the thoughts we have, we tend to believe it. Whether mm -hmm. it's true or not, we tend to believe these thoughts. So we got to spend a lot of time. You know, it's why we grow and develop ourselves so much because we're trying to shape our thoughts to align with reality true reality not reality that somebody's spewing somewhere some negative person but with true reality we're always listening and we're, and we're always trusting of our own thoughts so we got to be very careful about those thoughts but you can mm. change them at any moment you can change your thoughts at any moment yeah i i like that um as you're saying that the analogy to me comes through of you know your thoughts are just being filtered through your head right and and what filter are you using? Are you using a filter that's going to 
to purify and clean and come out better or using a filter that's going to contaminate. And the third way that we can lead and influence ourselves through change is focus on what we're telling other people, right? We've talked a lot about what we're telling ourselves and that's so critical, but, but also what are the, the words that we're actually speaking? Right? Are we talking about negative things? Do we do we embrace negative words? Um, because it's almost like speaking out loud just makes it feel that much more true, right? So when we start to to think negative thoughts and then we start to talk negative words, it just almost cements it in stone. And and the more often that we repeat something to someone else, the more we believe it ourselves. And at some point we start to just believe that it's true without a doubt because our words carry so much weight and it's almost like a part of our identity that we, I'm reading a book, I just finished a book, you're reading it now, Mac, on the levels of attachment that we go through in, in our head and uh, the way we create our own beliefs. And a big part of that is sometimes we get so attached to what we're saying or a belief that we have or perspective mindset that we forget that it is our mindset right but but we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are and mm. so when we're looking at things through a negative lens a negative pair of glasses so to speak then everything is tinted with that negativity pretty painful we've we, we run across a few of those people every now and then don't we Rhea? Mm. <laughs> yeah and, and, and none of us get it right all of the time right None of us do. We're all we're all human and we are going to all going to slip from time to time. Um, you know, you and I talked on a previous episode about relative to the changes that you've made in your diet. And I, I know that that you've had to make some pretty drastic changes to to that. And yet it's probably a challenge sometimes to keep a positive perspective about that. Yeah. And the quote that we share in this book uh, by Jim Rohn fits right there so perfectly that uh, life does not get better by chance it gets better by change you know i always tell people who are you know, i'm 51 so people who are in their 40s or 50s 60s somewhere in that time range it's something i always say jokingly is our our free rides over because for most people you can kind of do what you want to do to your body health wise from from 20 to in your 20s and your 30s but they're going it's going to catch up to you at some point you know, if you're eating a bunch of junk and or you're drinking a lot of alcohol, you're smoking, you're no exercise, no fitness, all that sort of stuff, you kind of get away with it in your 20s and 30s. Depends on how bad it is. It might catch up with you in your 30s or 20s. But if you, if you just kind of average, it's going to catch up with you. And then you're going to start having all this stuff starts happening to you when you when you're in your 40s, 50s or 60s, usually somewhere in there. But it's going to catch up. And you, once it catches up, you're not going to get better by chance. You know, you can get there automatically or accidentally is a better word. You can get there accidentally. You can get in poor health kind of accidentally, but you're not going to improve your health accidentally. Once you get there, it's going to take intentional thinking and intentional action to get you there. Mm. You know, I can remember um, particularly being in a large organization. Um, it's very, it, you know, it's very easy for leaders in an organization to hear about the whiners and the shiners, right? So as we talk about what are we telling other people about things when change happens, <laughs> 
you know, a lot of times there again, we are missing out on future opportunities because the leader, the top level leaders in an organization are listening, right? Then, and, and they might not hear about it directly from you, but they hear about your supervisor or manager or leader talking about you. How did you embrace change or not? What did you say when, when maybe it was a change in your work schedule or your change in your work hours? Like, how did you respond to that? Because when we, when we respond to positive things in a positive manner, that doesn't increase our influence a lot. When we respond to negative things in a positive manner, that's when we increase our influence because it takes someone who's doing more than than average, right? And no one gets excited about average. But the, the, the reality is, is that a lot of people, particularly relative to leadership and leading change, are not embracing it. They're not shining and, and being positive examples and leading through that positivity. A lot of people are maybe the average is to just, you know, at best accept it at worst, try to, you know, drag your heels kicking and screaming to, to keep it from happening. And so it is easy to stand out in such a positive way because the leaders in an organization are listening and looking and, you know, their job is to pull the organization forward. Right. And so they're looking for who's helping them. Who's on board with this. Yep. Henry Link says, while one person hesitates because he feels inferior, another person is making mistakes and becoming superior. And it doesn't mean superior over other people. I don't think that's what he meant. That's not certainly not what I mean when I read it. I mean superior relative to knowledge, abilities, and, and experience. You know, people who are willing to make mistakes. Because when change happens, somebody's got to make mistakes. Change does not happen usually nice and usually not 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 nice and smooth because they're all all kind of things pop up that no one expected, no one had thought of because they never experienced it. That's why it's called change. You ain't never been there before. <laughs> so then once you get there, you realize there's lots of things that are happening, good or bad, along the way. So a lot of people, when change happens, they just sit back. They sit back and watch other people make the mistakes. They don't realize when those people are making mistakes, they're learning, mm. and they're growing, and they're going to be better prepared for the future when the change happens. So I talked about when we opened this episode, I was talking about leading change internally as a lean manager and a lean, a lean coordinator and a lean manager in the company that I was in. And, you know, since leadership is defined as influence, a, a formal leadership position isn't required to lead change. You simply need a desire to leverage your influence by applying the principles you've been learning. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the quickest way to leverage change and, and lead well is to get results. And when you, when you get results, you build trust the fastest relative, you know, to a competency. That's the quickest way to build trust is relative to competency by getting results. And so, you know, when I started leading lean in that organization, I was the lean coordinator or the lean manager. When I started for quite a while, no one reported to me. You know, I reported to the plant manager, the top leader on site, but no one reported to me. Yet I was responsible for leading change like we're talking about. It's one reason that that I could share so much in this book and about the, about the topic, because that's when I started literally leading change without a formal position of authority over anyone. But I was responsible for leading change throughout the entire company, our plant, I should say. But we because of we've done so well, 
I was able, my influence grew outside of our plant. And I started traveling around the United States and to Mexico supporting other plant managers. But in my plant, I was responsible for leading everyone from top to bottom through lean. And I had never did it myself. I'd never been there myself. So as a leader, so I'm leading all the formal, I'm leading the plant manager. I'm influencing him to, in, to support us. He knew all about it though. He was supporting me. He had led it in other plants, but I still had to influence him. I had to influence all the staff managers, my peers, uh, you know, at my peer level, all the, all the people in other departments who report up to some of those staff managers, some of them who didn't like me, who didn't like change, but I had to get results. I had to build relationships. So when you can imp implement change effectively in support of the leaders in a way that helps them accomplish their mission, they'll begin to figure out where you can make a bigger impact and how they can better position and utilize you. And that's what happened. When I started leading the change in the plant, it wasn't long, maybe six months or a year before I needed some help. So guess who, guess who I went and got the help from? You know, we had a job bid and that sort of thing, and people did bid on the job, so I got to look and see who was interested. But out of the people who bid, guess who I picked? The one who had helped and supported me, the one who had been leveraging change out on the shop floor in their own department, that was the individual that I picked to come help me. Even though I got a lot of feedback from the other managers, we didn't need, I didn't need to pick this person because we knew that they were going to be leaving the company soon because... Mm. Uh, this person's wife was in college and they were from another state. So when she graduated college, which was coming up within the next six months or a year, that this guy had already said he was going to be leaving, you know, he, they were going back home, but I didn't care. I wanted the person who's going to help me move the organization forward the fastest. And, and that person's name was David. So I selected David to come join my team and he and I done a lot of good there, but what was awesome was, when David moved back, he didn't see all this coming, and I didn't either, and it, it didn't matter. It's, again, some of those unforeseen opportunities. Because he had leveraged change on the shop floor, he gained influence with me, the person who was leading change the most in the plant. He got to join my team. I got to see who he was about and what he was about. Then when they moved home, found out they were going home to Kentucky, and we had another plant that was basically 25 miles or so from where he was moving. So he was able to transfer there and he actually became their lean leader in that plant. So I was able to lean, you know, lead leaders through change, but those leaders that I was leading through change were the leaders who were leveraging change. And I'm sharing all this in that way, just to validate everything we're teaching is, is how it works. Mm. A lot of people don't see it because it, as we said, the unforeseen opportunities, he never knew when he embraced change on the shop floor, I was leading it as a lean manager. He never knew he, he wasn't doing it for this reason. He couldn't know, I mean, do it for this reason because he didn't know, but he never knew him stepping up, embracing change was going to allow him to become a lean coordinator at another plant of ours in Kentucky. He probably he's, didn't know there was a plant there. He's creating a job for himself in another state two years in the future. But they didn't even know he, they didn't even know he existed, but I had a lot of influence. So when he got ready to move, I've been able to call and the plant manager at our plants probably able to call. I don't know. I can't remember if you did or not. I'm sure we both probably did, but talk to people at that other plant and we leveraged our influence and got him, uh, uh, you know, he got to walk in the door with a lot of influence. You borrowed some influence. Absolutely. You borrowed some of yours. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a powerful story to wrap up this episode on. Um, last thing that one of the points that you say in the bank in the book, you talk about everything you ever achieve will be a direct result of your ability to influence and lead other people. And that's a great example of that. He was influencing, he had influence with you and you had influence with others. And a lot of times that's where we see more and more opportunities expand. And but there again, it starts with us. Yeah. So he stepped in, he, he, he done a great job for that year, year or so before he left. And, and then we thrived. We were farther ahead. Now it was time to replace him because he had left. Now I needed someone to replace him. So, so now there was not a, such a good pick anymore because the best pick was gone. And it's hard to believe some of those high level managers in that plant said, I shouldn't have picked David because mm. he's the one that could move us the farthest, the fastest you know, with his help, using him all throughout the plant instead of in one department that he was working in at the time. So then now we open it up for bid and the people who apply, I didn't really want any of those people because there was no one else like David had been, you know, he was the cream of the crop and there was no one at that time who was available to come in, but I still had to pick someone. I had to pick the best out of the group, that individual come in and I actually ended up having to we didn't terminate him, but we put him back in the workforce. He didn't fit. And the reason was he wanted the job. He didn't want the responsibility. <laughs> so when he, when he, when he got the job, it really is. But he was the best to pick from at that time. But by the time that he got in and, and kind of I figured out this is not going to work. And I talked mm. to him. I tried to coach him and mentor him. I had never read all this stuff. I'm sure so, without a doubt, I could have done a much better job if I had the knowledge I had today. So but he had, had the never, competencies, but not the character. That that guy? Yeah. Yep. He had the competency without a doubt. He didn't have the character. He mm -hmm. was he was missing it and he didn't want to grow into it. And I had talked with him and talked with him and talked with him and talked with him. And again, I didn't have all this knowledge I have today. We were not teaching leadership development in our organization. We were just teaching about lean, like most organizations do. They don't do any leadership development. So uh we had to come to work loaded with whatever knowledge we got accidentally gained from learning and experience in life but i had to let him go back and he was unhappy but he was really better off because he could perform out on the production line and then i was able at that time to go find someone else and mm. it got a much better person at that you know after the time with the bad person in the role by the time we were able or by the time i was able to pick someone else there was someone else ready to, to step into the role. And that person did a you know much better job. They were actually seeking responsibility. And so that yeah. was a, that was better for us. And I'm just going to end it with a quote, uh, actually taken from the book. It says, if you force people to change as a leader, you have no reason to be proud. Any person with weak character can force and intimidate others into compliance. The result is resentment, resentment, not loyalty. And that's why I, we let that person go back into the, the workforce. I was not going to force that person. That's not something I wanted to do every day was walk in, have to think about, I'm going to have to force this person all day into this mold of who I want them to be. I wasn't going to do it. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for him. Best thing to do is make another change and put that person back where they come from, where they can be successful. And then I can go find someone else that, 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 that fits the mold because that's who they are. Mm, yeah. Great point to end on. I know next episode we'll be talking about communicating change. So we're going to really get uh, get into that perspective of it um, in the next episode. Yeah, that's a big one. So 
Talk to you next time. Today's podcast episode is one of a series of podcast episodes I recorded with my husband, Max Story, on a book that we co-wrote together, Change Happens, Leading Yourself and Others Through Change. I know you'll enjoy the leadership principles that Mac brings to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, so be sure to follow Mac on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter at Mac Story. Or subscribe to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast for more on the leadership principles that Mac teaches.